you're going to pay an attorney to go represent the tenant, the majority of all eviction cases are non-payment of rent. Right. Just exactly. pay the rent. Pay the rent. And, and then the tenant gets to stay, the landlord gets made whole. Evi you know, litigating an eviction, so everybody wastes attorney's fees, doesn't help anything. Yeah. So I'm not a big proponent of that one, even though there are other things that I think are potentially a good idea. But like, I think rental assistance over the pandemic, federal government put out millions upon millions of dollars, and a lot of people were able to stay. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Hello, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Azria Show. I am your host, Marcus Maloney, and we have our co-host and executive director, Mike Del Pre on today. How are you doing, Mike? I'm wonderful. Thanks for asking, Marcus. Great, great, great. So today we're going to be talking about legislation and law. We have our very special guest, Mark mm -hmm. Zimmerman, with Zona Law Group. And we're going to be talking about all things law and legislation. So if you're a landlord, you really need to listen up. You need to make sure you record, repeat, re-listen, and everything like that because we have an attorney in our presence and he's gonna give you exactly what you need to make sure that you hedge any risk that you may have with tenant complaints, laws, or anything like that. So Mark, welcome to the show, how are you? Good morning, gents, how you guys doing? I'm doing well. Awesome. Doing great, doing great. So just real quick before we get started, I we're, we're definitely familiar with you, but just to our listeners that may not know about Zona Law, kind of give us just a real snippet, really quick background of Zona Law and what you all provide. Sure. So we're a small firm, we're a boutique, we just handle landlord, tenant, and real estate matters. So a lot of that is your evictions, your fair housing, security deposit, litigation, those kind of things, and then also issues when people buy and sell homes, kind of the closing, suing over those issues, just helping also creative financing, things like that, that we work work with the investors directly on as well, you know, from mom and pops up to the large REITs, single family, multifamily, kind of the gambit. If you own it and rent it, mobile homes, manufactured housing, we do that as well. Oh, okay. So when you Perfect. say creative financing, so you're dealing with the carrybacks, subject twos, and all that whole world? Correct. Oh, yeah. awesome. Good yeah. to know. All right. Perfect. So we're here, we got some special topics to go over. And uh, so let's start from the top, right? Like, so uh, we're traditionally um, landlord friendly state, right? It, it still are, or are we? Yeah, we're kind of in the throes of a change in that and kind of the, I would say we're a big question mark right now. I mean, mm -hmm. historically correct. I mean, generally considered relatively landlord friendly compared to other states. And if, just for everyone, the difference between landlord friendly and tenant friendly, how would you describe that? For example, in Arizona, generally, if you historically, if you followed the process, you can complete an eviction around a month, maybe four, six weeks to get somebody physically ousted if for just non-payment of rent. Or if you go to Chicago, it could literally take months to yeah. do mm -hmm. that same process, even if it's just simple as clear cut as they don't want to pay their rent. Got it. And what, what's going on that's making us a question mark? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there's speculation. I mean, half of California is coming to the state, which yeah. would probably, probably yeah. be the reasoning for it. Um, but it, we definitely have shifted. Um, I think for the first time, I can't even tell you how long we have a Democratic governor. Um, we are, we're split between the legislature and the governor. And 
obviously we have two Democratic senators as well. So I think politically we are very much a purple state now, Okay. where I think historically we've been much more red. Yep. And traditionally, obviously, individuals have their own opinions on certain legislation, but historically, um, red states have been much more pro-landlord business mm-hmm. rights and vice versa. And do you think that, I know a lot of you know people from California are here, uh, does that also... Um, happen because like maybe our growth, like our population growth, our job growth, there's just like a lot of it's different. Phoenix is new, like different now than it was five, 10 years ago. Oh yeah, I mean the amount of growth, I mean and I attribute that really to Governor Ducey. I mean the amount mm-hmm. of growth that our state, specifically our city and county have gone through is, is remarkable. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people that moved here in the past couple of years. That changes the dynamic of everything from voting to mm-hmm. rent prices because how you know you can't build houses fast enough for that many people to come here yep. and so we're just this year we're finally kind of catching up on the building side of things do you know how far behind we are Cause i heard a while back was like eight years behind in supply or something is there a, a i mean i think the number is over a quarter of a million units that we still need wow wow and that's and we just interviewed uh the airbnb queen so that's like a whole nother factor of you know uh projects taking up housing yeah, right. no, no, then that changes the market as well. Yeah, the whole short, short-term concept mm-hmm. is pulling, obviously, houses in that direction, which would otherwise be rentals. Growing pains, man. Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. And that's one of the things that, that baffles me sometimes is you have a lot of people with the exodus out of California because of a lot of California legislation. Then they come here and then they want... They want to enact the same California legislation <laughs> yeah. here. I'm like, well, you left there because of that, but then you want to come here and make things, you know, similar. And we it don't. It's the great irony yeah. of how that works. Out. It, it never makes sense to me. It's the reason right. we have different states. You have different policies. Yep. Yep. Well, speaking of states, yep. you, you said something important at our monthly meeting a couple months ago during your presentation about federal updates. So maybe we can go into the first time you think you said the administration ever butted in on housing. Yeah. I mean. Traditionally, landlord-tenant matters have always been states' rights mm-hmm. because, I mean, just think very basically the way you look at Arizona. We're one big suburb in Phoenix, right? Okay. Where you compare that to New York City, people are stacked on top of each other, obviously, because yeah. they like that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. They like living in the city. Here, we're, we're suburbia. And so you have to have different landlord-tenant laws to control, take into account yeah. those things, take into co-ops they have in New York and things like that. So generally, landlord-tenants have always been states' rights. And until the past, I would say, you know, two years, you never even hear the president talk about housing issues and those kind of things. And that has entirely changed uh, since the pandemic, since, you know, rent prices have gone up across the country. And so now, you know, President Biden came out with a blueprint for renters' rights. That was in January, which is the first time we've ever seen something like that before. And so we've seen a couple of those types of memos, policies, I would call them wish lists out of the executive branch asking Mm -hmm. for, hey, this is what we want to see across the country. And then, so they propose, you know, their plan. And and will it be hard to get in? Like, is that something that can just be automatically spread to every state or be like a per state has to want to adapt? Yeah, excellent question. That's always the first one we get, which is, yeah, there's no way for it to just be pushed out. So if you go back to like civics class in sixth grade, right, you have the president is supposed to be the executive branch is enforce laws. It's the legislature that actually passes the laws. So the president himself, regardless of what party you're a part of, can't just create a new law and say, hey, this applies across all 50 states. That has to go through the legislature. So what President Biden did is just set his blueprint for residents' rights, saying, hey, this is what I'd like to see, you know, fair leases, disclosures of everything. Um, I 
couple different options. Yeah, yeah, let's kind of kind of yeah. touch on. Leave it leave it to an attorney to bring notes for everything. <laughs> uh, so, but safe, quality, and accessible, affordable housing. It sounds great. Everybody likes that. Mm-hmm. Uh, clear and fair leases, education enforcement, enhancement of renters' rights, the right to organize, and eviction prevention, diversion, and relief, which is obviously uh, just pr- kind of stopping evictions or getting potentially you know the right to counsel or financial aid, things like that. And so it's kind of the, the wish list of the executive branch, but they can't really do anything. And he acknowledges it in that blueprint as well, saying, look, we don't have the authority to make this law. All we can do is have our agencies look into their powers to see what they can do. So like if companies, for example, are making fraudulent leases, con- confusing consumers, maybe the FTC or the CFPB, all these different agencies can look into whether they can do something. One of, one of the things that, that or two things that, raise some red flags for me or that I will probably need more understanding of is the enforcement and right to organize. I mean, kind of what are, what is he trying to touch on, on with that? Because right to organize, it sounds like union. And that's exactly <laughs> what it is, which is funny because realistically, and it doesn't affect the, the Azria in terms of like the single family homes, right? Not a, really a big issue because your homes are spread out, but in a multifamily community, it's like, so the residents could get together, meet, and figure out who knows what they want to do, which is perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. We actually have that in Arizona law already. You can't retaliate for a tenant joining a tenant's union. Right. But most landlords don't care. Like if you guys want to get together in one of your units and talk whatever your rights are, knock yourself out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Not really a big issue. Same with education enforcement is literally, that's more, hey, advising tenants of their rights. Like you can't have leases that are confusing. And if you do, some agency has the right to come after you for consumer protection issues. Gotcha, gotcha. What would make a lease confusing? Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I think I think a lot of the national talk right now is trying to make an argument, whether you agree or not, making apartments, single-family homes, more akin to how they argue with um, hotel bookings and airplane airlines bookings, right? Hmm. Like you book your flight, and then you get there, and there's baggage fees. And there's an yeah. extra seats fee and all these other things. And that's kind of what they're saying is not necessarily clear in leases. Like, oh, you advertise $1,500 a month, but your rent is actually plus, plus, plus. It's actually $1,900. We also that's said, not clear. We also said no pets, but you got pets. Exactly. <laughs> said no smoking, but you're smoking too. <laughs> all right. Cool. True, fair, true. Fair. Um, so on the, anything else on the federal side of things? Well, I mean, there's a couple more things. I mean, obviously, so basically what happens is – President Biden announced like his policy of what he'd like to see. And then you see a little, every little different agency under the executive branch start to toy with these ideas. Freddie Mac was the first, I mean, obviously you guys know what Freddie Mac mm-hmm. is. Uh, they're not really an agency in that res- respect, but they, for the first time ever, create like a 50-state analysis of what your rights are. Not a big deal. Compiling data, it's always good. The more data, the better. You just look to what they're looking to. It gives you an indication further of the issues that states and the feds are going to look at. So they talk about tenant screening rate late rent and late payments, habitability issues, and more eviction issues as well. And so again, they're going to tenant protection. They don't want abuses on like screening. That's a big issue for some reason. Right. There's a narrative that landlords are like making a killing off of doing screening. Screening, yeah. Not realizing screening is the only chance you get to figure out who you're going into a business. Yeah. Right? Like if Mm -hmm. I rent to you, we're in business for a year. Yeah. I better trust you. Yeah. Um, yeah. No different than if you go out and buy a house. I guarantee your lender is going to figure out everything they can before they, you know, give you a half million dollars to go buy a house. That's uh, true. So it's interesting to see that being attacked. Um, 
And then HUD did the same thing. HUD came out with something about talking about junk fees, saying that you know landlords are just charging too much on top. They just want a simple number and nothing else. Really. Kind of like, oh, did that happen with the settlement statements years ago? Like yeah. junk fees and Got to disclose. disclose yeah, similar. Law. Disclosure is everything. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. it. And realistically, landlords do disclose everything in their lease. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand what we would. Well, I don't know. I guess I'm not that type of <laughs> landlord. But like, I don't know. <laughs> what would you hide or like you know? It's not. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's the difference between advertising and when the person comes. Like, if you put a sign up, it says $1,500, but it's not really $1,500 because they have to pay for whatever benefits there are with that community as well or that single-family home. And I think that's where the issue is coming in. Mm -hmm. And we see those things same in Arizona. People are trying to, you know, there was a bill this past year to get rid of all of those things and just say you have to have one price, period, end of sentence, no add-ons in the lease. Got it. So something I was reading up on the Freddie Mac – article and it said there's three states that have limits on rent increases and i guess they give them the right to counsel so that on that so how's that work one and do you see something like that coming to arizona i don't think that's been proposed yet in arizona through fully through the legislature i definitely know it's being talked about so in certain cases literally usually criminal for example we have a constitutional right if you're going to go to jail or you have the potential to go to jail the state will pay for you to get an attorney, right? Like that's Got it. where it mm-hmm. comes up. And now somehow the discussion's gotten to that if you're being subject to eviction, you should also have the state pay for you to have an attorney. Wow. <laughs> and a lot of things with tenants' rights, I'm actually a proponent of. I think there's a lot of good times, that mm-hmm. uh, a lot of good ideas out there. I, I honestly think that's a really bad idea, though. Mm-hmm. If you're going to pay an attorney to go represent the tenant, the majority of all eviction cases are non-payment of rent. Right. Just exactly. pay the rent. Pay the rent. Yep. And then the tenant gets to stay. The landlord gets made whole. Evi- and, you know, litigating an eviction so everybody wastes attorney's fees doesn't help anything. Yeah. Um, so I'm not a big proponent of that one, even though there are other things that I think are potentially a good idea. Um, but, like, I think rental assistance over the pandemic, federal government put out millions upon millions of dollars, and a lot of people were able to stay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a good option if that's what, you know, we want to start throwing money towards. Oh, that'd be very interesting if. Yeah. People, they'll just drag on the whole process of eviction if they, you know, they got counsel, which everyone has the yeah. right to counsel. But, like, if you have the government paid for the attorney to fight you, yeah. they'll just drag on your whole eviction process. Yeah. And no offense, no offense to you, Mark, but attorneys like to have it drag on because <laughs> it increases their fees. Yeah, you know? yeah so. it's, it's not a great idea. I mean, because you got to realize, like, when we see those types of issues, the first thing that you know, the attorney will do, and those subsidized attorneys will come in and ask for like a jury trial. So like a trial that used to take me 15 minutes to 30 minutes to get out the facts, now it's gonna take me two mm-hmm. days of attorney's fees. Wow. And it's just, that doesn't help the landlord, it doesn't help the right. tenant, they just hopefully they can throw enough mud against the wall. But ultimately the tenant still owes the money, it's just, how do you get to that point? And the whole time the tenant is still in, in the, the property. property. Correct. Man, yeah, I had this situation where I had a fiveplex, I bought it, you know, just junker cash as is, but there was tenants in there. They're supposed to be all month to month. And I learned a lot of stuff on there, but I, they did, they didn't pay rent. And I gave them their Friday notice. If I all served them all that stuff, we all showed up in court and they all brought leases, fresh one year leases. Like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, and so I was like, yo, I told the judge, I was like, how do we know this is real? And he's yeah. like, that's another case. Right. So yeah, there's a lot. So how do we, protect ourselves i was told to get it a stopple yeah mm-hmm. i mean a certificate from the former owner in those types of cases we see the same thing all the time 
uh, we'll drag the former owner into court as well. Be like, that's oh. not my signature on the piece of yeah. paper. Yeah. Just because, yeah, I mean, generally it's, and, it, and this is just Arizona because I just practice here. The general presumption is when you buy a property, you take it to whatever subject rights the person has in that property. Right. Mm-hmm. So in your case, if they're just month to month, they don't really have much rights other than a 30 day right. notice. But if they have a year lease, you take it subject to that. Mm-hmm. If, for example, though, that they have actually a lease with an option, you're subject to that option. Yep. Because the law says you have constructive notice. You gotta go to that door, knock on the door, say, hey, what are you doing here? What are your rights? And if you don't ask that question, mm-hmm. you're yeah. stuck with whatever they have. And I've seen literally options come up later and they're like, oh, I have an option to buy it for 450. Uh-huh. And the guy that owns wow. it now is like, well, I bought it for 700. And they're like, well, you have to sell it to me for 450. Wow. <sighs> Never thought about that. Ooh, so man, yeah, it hurts. So the judge goes, "Did you guys bring rent today?" <laughs> he saved me. Yeah, They're like, no, 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 we didn't bring rent. He's like, "Yeah, well, well what do you right? We brought like, a lease, but you didn't bring the rent." Yeah, it's funny, man. All right, cool. So, um, so that you just went over the Freddie Mac memorandum, tenant screening. I think that's most of it on the Fed stuff. It's yeah. just more okay. eyeballs that's ever been on this, um, and that stuff kind of does push down as well, at least now for states. Just okay. states. And we have our uh, business associate, Rent Perfect, for tenant screening. I always check them out. Um, junk fees, we know order junk fees. Anything else on, along the junk fees? No, I don't think so. I think it's just being careful. I mean, how you, I would, my default with everything, and maybe it's the attorney me, is disclose everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The more upfront you can be on what you require and what you don't, put it out there. I think that it goes the same thing with whatever you want in your rental property as well. You know, you as a landlord own that property. That's your asset long term. Whatever you want to happen on your property, what you don't want to happen on your property, put it in your lease, make yeah, it clear. It. Think, I mean, just things about like smoking, like you guys mentioned, mm-hmm. right? That's clutch. Things that people don't even think about of like people putting up uh, above ground pools. Well, you may not even True. have thought about it before, but that's potentially a liability. Like just... Yeah. Prohibit everything that you don't want. Allow things that you do. You know, just control the rights up front. And, and for like newer investors, you know, sometimes you get in, you're all excited, you're nervous, and it's like you just want to get a warm body in the place, right? So we, we're I haven't probably checked in with you in a while on this, but we always tell our members to call zone along, get one of their leases. They'll give you one. That's yeah. what I inherited from Alan and Marie. So <laughs> hopefully that's still true. Yeah. Um, so what are some things like new landlords can do with all this information coming down or just as a land, new landlord in general? Like, can they set up an appointment with you or do you still have a copy of the lease? Or? Yeah, we still have a copy of the lease. Yeah, we do consultations as well. There's a reduced fee for ASRIA members. Cool. Um, I'm not sure what that is off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the more you can learn up front, the better. I mean, I tend to think mm-hmm. tenant screening is critical. It amazes me people skip tenant screening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or like they get an application, but they don't do anything with it. Yeah. Like that paper yeah. doesn't do you any good. Mm-hmm. I always say it's like you don't go out to, you know, buy a McDonald's franchise and not learn how to make a Big Mac. Mm-hmm. you got to figure out the nuts and bolts and to be able to do it. There's a lot of nuts and bolts, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tell us about some of these state, some of these house bills. Let's kind of go over some of, some sure. of those that are, are being implemented. Yeah, so, I mean, this past year has been probably, um, like I mentioned before, we have a Democratic governor and a, a Republican-held um, Senate and House. So we're really like a split government, which usually means there's a lot of conflict and battling over what their interests are. Interestingly enough, they just last week passed a budget 
bipartisan budget, which is good, which means we're moving in the right direction to kind of finish up this legislative session. But there's been a ton of anti-landlord bills this past year. I think there were at least five for rent control, which we've never had in Arizona. Mm -hmm. We have a state preemption against it. A bunch of bills about changing what the eviction process looks like, changing how you handle applications, all kind of the gambit of landlord-tenant. All eyes are on it. Okay. And do you recommend, like, someone having a property manager versus self-managing? Do you have any preference on that? Um, I think it depends on your time commitment. Okay. I think there's... What property managers bring to the table is the experience and the professionalism. And if you can mimic that yourself, go for it. It's yeah. no different than anything you know. You mm-hmm. want to fix in your own house. If you can go fix your toilet, go for it if you know what you're doing. If mm-hmm. you don't, bring a professional in to have them do it. And, and does that kind of like, with all the new laws coming down or even just current, like does a property manager liable to be aware of all this or does it fall on strictly the owner if uh, something goes wrong? No, I mean, there's some, there's definitely liability mm-hmm. on the property manager. I mean, the property management agreement will spell out exactly right. how that liability falls. But the reason you hire a property manager is they're supposed to stay abreast of those issues mm-hmm. so that you don't necessarily have to. And the same thing, I, I mean, perfect example, people always try and do like evictions themselves. And historically, probably not a big of issue, issue. But over the pandemic, I mean, there's been so many rule changes mm-hmm. that for most mom and pop sitters doing their own evictions, they get a case or two dismissed before they ever figure out what they're doing. Got it. Um, and then yell to the judge, oh, I've been doing this for years. And the judge is like, great, that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> right. Good point because, you know, I, sometimes we're on a shoestring budget as mom and pops, right? And you want to see, we're investors, you like to, you know, cut costs or whatever it is. But just, I always say, get paid for it up front. Get that knowledge, get that consultation upfront because my experience, I was just flew blind right into the business and I always had to go backwards and redo the contract, clean things up. Which is I normal. Feel sorry for you. Mike, yeah. Mike made yeah. a lot of mistakes, guys. And I have a lot of right now. Yeah. I, I could just have a, you guys can see it in my face. I just had, I could have a mistake episode. Um, There's just one tear going down. <laughs> right, right. Man, like Marcus knows, Mark, man, I have property in Cleveland, landlord friendly. Yeah. Man, yeah. Big difference. I like. I love Arizona. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, it's so different. So I am curious. What's Cleveland like? Cleveland. Well, I found out. I don't want to make a joke, but anyways. Come like, on, let's go, Mike. No, no. Yeah, my, go. My got me thinking after before we started. He's like, I'm in front of the attorney. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, lead-based paint law was passed. Well, um, so I guess now it's like every two years you got to get inspected for lead-based paint. So now I was. I'm like a year and a half into. We have ten properties over there. All of a sudden, it's like. All your properties got to get lead base, right? You're yeah. gonna make two, three hundred bucks a month cash flow. You get what I mean? Yeah. Um, they're very strict on um, if your grass grows like like this high. They always, they're always finding and warning you. Always. Mm-hmm. So I, city comes around. City comes around. Very strict on that. Um, what else happened? You have oh, I registered. I bought properties with my Arizona LLC out there, and they came after me for not registering as a foreign entity in Ohio. But I did though, just not at the time of purchase. So they retroed it. $10,000, or excuse me, yeah, $10,000 fine or five years in jail on four different properties right now. Oh my gosh. And basically I had, we're at two, three grand in on attorney fees. It's all my cash flow for how many years. It's gone. It's gone. And now um, basically attorneys just basically, it's a money grab. They keep postponing our our dates. I'm like six months in of just trying to get in front of the judge, 
And it's just, he's like, at the end of the day, they're just gonna charge you 500 bucks and you just pay it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a game. It's a racket. Yeah. yeah. That is a good point that that does remind me of something here that I see of mistakes a lot is people don't realize the same thing here let alone the, well, two parts of it. One, you have to have an entity in Arizona, yeah. whether it's an LL, Arizona LLC or a foreign LLC that's authorized to do business here before you can own properties mm -hmm. here, you sh should be. Um, and then two, you have to register your property as a rental with the county. Very, yep, that's another, no. yep. Because they tax it differently. And the only way for them to know that you're running it as a business as opposed to living in there is if you register it. So they're actually, I don't know if other states have the same law, but Arizona has a random law that says if you're a tenant in a property and it's not registered, you can give a 10-day notice at any time. Yep. And if they don't register it, you can actually just terminate your lease. Oh, lease wow. And leave. Mm -hmm. Which usually what happens is tenants will send a stack of letters, and somewhere in the middle of that, it'll just write that statute. Landlords see that packet, they get overwhelmed, they don't do anything. Ten mm -hmm. days later, the tenant's like, ah, I'm free, I'm done. Yep. Give me my deposit back, I'm and out. they walk. And that's here? Yep. Wow. Yeah, Didn't we see that. that all the time. Wow. Yeah, it's so much. And another thing I learned was... If you have more than four houses in an LLC, which there's always debate around that, I guess if you owe the city money, don't quote me on this, and you have Section 8 tenants, they can garnish your Section 8 rents to pay back anything you owe the city. Wow. I've never seen it, but that, I mean, it <laughs> yeah, makes sense. It's like me either. No, I just yeah. did. <laughs> just yeah. found out. So, yeah, now we're shuffling. Now you're shuffling, shuffling around other things. So, but yeah, so things like that are pretty interesting that I've learned. Are you, are yeah. you self-managing, Mike? No, I got a, I got a property manager. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, so the property I'm an investor, not a manager. Yeah, you should be aware of that. <laughs> that is a good thing to. I mean, you mentioned Section Eight, though. I mean, that's a, a big point, also. Obviously, what we're talking about okay. recently in the past couple mm -hmm. months is Tucson passed source of income as okay, a protected yep. class. Yep. Phoenix did the same thing, and there's speculation all over the board of other cities that are going to follow suit here shortly as well. And so I think that changes. That's another indication of kind of where we are as a state. Mm -hmm. and kind of where we're moving Can, can you to. break down source yeah, of income? Yeah, source of income. Absolutely. Um, it sounds so simple. It sounds so pleasant, which is kind of the beauty of how the brilliance of legislation, mm -hmm. uh, you always make something sound good and then you don't really look right. at the, the weeds. So what actually happened is the Fair Housing Act, the, the city version in Phoenix and Tucson, uh, right now we have race, color, religion, national origin, sex, familial status, and disability. Those are protected classes, meaning you can't discriminate against them. And so what they did, the two cities said, okay, well, source of income is an additional protected class, meaning you can't discriminate against somebody with source of income. No idea what that means by itself. Mm -hmm. But they defined that out and saying you can't discriminate against somebody that's on Section 8, that gets any kind of government subsidy, which would include like unemployment. Basically, wherever the money's coming in from, you can't just say, no, I don't want that kind of money. Got it. So, so hold on, hold on, Mark. Let me, let me, um, let me kind of ask this. So if the person can't qualify their income, let's just say if they're a quote unquote drug dealer, but they say, you know what? I can afford 1200 bucks a month. Here's $2,400 for my earnest, not earnest money, but my first month security deposit and first month's rent. So then by law, I can't say, well, I can't prove where your income is coming from. So Yes, yeah, thankfully they did include the word verified in the statute. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, okay. when I used to teach that stuff, and I'd say, "What's the source of income?" People would always be like, uh, "It protects drug dealers and strippers." I'm like, "No, no, that's not. That's not okay. what the government's interested." Yeah. Um, they want verified sources of income. So, okay. I mean, alimony, like court uh, court ordered alimony, court ordered child support, unemployment, Section Eight, government rental assistance, any mm. kind of actual okay. subsidy that you can. Yeah, prove. Yeah. I mean, the big thing is those Section 8, because it's not most landlords. Look, Marcus, if you got a house and somebody's like, I'm going to give you $1,200 a month, or the government's going to give you 1200 you don't care where the money's coming from, True. as long as the money's coming in. 
the problem with Section 8 is that it's not, you're, you're changing the dynamic of your business. Because historically, I've always said, you've got you as a landlord, your tenant as the tenant, two parties. Mm -hmm. Now you have a third, a third party, party as the government. Yep. And you as the landlord actually have to sign you know, a housing contract with Section 8 as well. So you're changing what your rights are. It's not just where the money's coming from, it's that you have to participate mm -hmm. in the programs. And that's the biggest change, really. Right. And then I know also with Section 8, they come in annually and inspect your property, and then they make you do repairs that more than likely don't need to be, don't need to be made. Yeah. So I mean, it's, that's a, it's an increased cost to you as the landlord also. Yeah, it, it gives the government, I mean, anytime you're dealing with the government, obviously they have a lot more power than you do as, as a private individual in that respect. Now, the purposes of the inspections, obviously, to keep habitability yeah. and those kind of things running. So the purpose is good is really good. The problem is if you fail an inspection, Section 8 doesn't have to pay the rent then. They can abate the mm -hmm. rent. And for mom and pop I think that's really hard. You know, if you're looking at 600 doors in an apartment community and they abate rent for a month while you fix things, it's not going to put yeah. that REIT out of business. Right. Well, mom and pop that needs to pay their mortgage if they're not covering it, that's a lot more stress on them. Um, and I think that that's a lot of what, you know, for as REIT members, they have to realize that. They have to have the buffer. Don't just buy a house and think you're, you know, cutting a slim margin. Like, realize you're in yeah. this. There's risks along with it. Mm -hmm. um, and personally, I think a lot of what we've seen also in the pandemic is a lot of these policies push out smaller landlords. I mean, you hear complaints all the time of, we don't want corporate landlords. Yeah. Well, if you have policies yeah. that pick on the little guys, it mm -hmm. pushes them out. That's true. 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 Yeah, especially with all these hedge funds coming in and build the rent. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff pushing yeah. mom and pop out. But so, I think that's why, I mean, personally, if there were ever an ask on my side of it, like for ASRIA members, mm -hmm. like as they see these things happening, and I think 2024 will be a big year for legislation for Arizona, they're the faces of what people need to hear from, right? I mean, mom and pop own a... ASRIA members own a large swath of the rental market. I know that people always point mm -hmm. to corporate rentals, but there's a huge right. portion. And they're able to work. They're more fluid. They can make decisions more on their feet. But sure. And it's their retirement. It's not, you know, they're putting their kids through college. This isn't like yeah, some yeah. faceless entity. They're the ones that should come down to the legislature and explain, hey, I bought this property. I use this to supplement my income. It's my retirement plan. I can't have these laws passed because it's affecting my income. So since we're there, do you mind, how, how do we do that? Like yeah, just, that yeah, yeah how do question. our members do that? Whether, cause you always hear call, right? You know, so is it call? Is it, you said go down there? Is it a letter? What is it? Like, yeah, I mean, I think, so every year the legislature opens, I mean, we're still in the throes of it. We'll close hopefully in the next little while the legislature will finish out. Legislature opens in January. Okay. Bills start coming out at that point. Anybody, okay. I think, you know, we've got, lists and lists of bills that affect landlord-tenant matters. As REA members, we can send that out through you guys to follow kind of those bills. Um, if there's something that, like any organization that I'm involved in, that people want to get involved in, they can email you guys. I'm happy to put that through as REA so that we can kind of get that groundswell to get people to come down. And then it'll okay. be like, hey, oh, you know, pushing, for example, we had a bill this past year that took a regular five-day notice and made it a 15-day notice, which doesn't sound like a big deal. Mm -hmm. But if we could have uh, somebody come from Azri and explain, look, the effect of that is mm -hmm. I'm now six weeks, eight weeks out before I can evict somebody. That's two months of me paying the mortgage, mortgage yeah. where I don't get the money back. Mm -hmm. I'm the face of what you guys have to realize. It's not just big companies. Yeah. And again, the big company argument I think is misplaced anyways, because a lot of big companies are like teachers funds, you know, pensions, mm -hmm. things like right, that. I right. mean, it's not just yeah. the big bad corporation. So just like, just like, 
they're giving tenants the right to organize. Owners should organize also and talk to legislation and let them know exactly how some of these bills and laws hurt, you know, just the private owners. A hundred percent. Absolutely. It's the hardest thing for me to do is talk to people mm-hmm. and they're like, well, who's stopping this? And I'm like, step up. Yeah. yeah. That's what we mm-hmm. need. Participation. Like there's lawsuits over these things. Be the face of the lawsuit. Be the plaintiff. Those kind of things are come down to the legislature. So when, we, when it's time to vote, we always get in the mail, like explanations of all the bills and you know, the politicians. Do you have anything like that for real estate oriented or? Um, I, my firm doesn't, um, the multi-housing association does have their opinions, guidance on some things for their members. I'm sure if you work with them as well, you guys can put one out for Asria, which would help okay, members. I think it's a good idea to kind of be aware mm-hmm. of what's going on. And on, on one of your bullet points here says, going back to the source of income, mm-hmm. must have cause to non-renew. So what's that scenario? Yeah. So um, generally in Arizona, the default is you sign a lease. If it's for a year, they're there for a year. Mm-hmm. At the end of the year, mm-hmm. you can decide if you want them or not, or you they can send you a non-renewal or you can send them a non-renewal. It's just a one-year contract. And so Section 8 makes landlords sign a one-year contract. But you can't terminate that unless you have cause. There has to be a reason uh-huh. not to renew at that point. Mm. So excuse me. You're almost creating a, what's called a perpetual lease, meaning they right. get to stay there. Right. Unless there's a significant change, either they breach the lease by something or now if you want to sell theoretically, I mean, there's a couple stat examples of why you can non-renew, but they're specific. And if not wanting to participate is not one of them. It has to be a, wow. for cause. Wow. So you got to break the lease in some way. Correct. Wow. I didn't knew that Maybe. all these years. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. No problem. Uh, The only good thing with Section 8, I mean, honestly, I'm a proponent of Section 8, actually. Yeah, of course. And there's another company in town that does a private version as well called Threshold. They do an excellent job of onboarding landlords. They even pay money for landlords to join the program. There's a huge benefit there of the subsidies. You just have to know what you're getting into. Generally, it's better if it's voluntary as opposed to being forced through this kind of thing. But you get guaranteed money as long Mm -hmm. as you know what you're doing. Right. If you don't, you're going to get caught and it's it's not going to be fun. Okay. So, so overall, all the, a lot of different changes. So we got to stand up, right? Get educated on everything that's going on. Speak up. But overall, from your point of view, like how does this impact investors? Like in our, you know, our strategies and does that make sense? Like what's the overall impact on from your perspective? Yeah. I mean, I think the next year, the 2024 election is going to be huge in terms of what the future of our state holds. Okay. Governor Ducey was very pro-business, bringing a lot of companies in here. You have like the TSMC, all of those mm-hmm. kind of things, which, I mean, if you think about how that affects your real estate prices, the value of property, the amount of people that have moved here. So everything was really going in the right direction. And so I think next year will be a big indicator of where we're going for the future and what that looks like. Right now, as I mentioned, we have a split government. So with a split government, a lot less things get done. Got it. Be- which actually is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, that's how our government's set up to be is you, both sides kind of push off the wings and then you have to meet in the middle on mm-hmm. some things. And it's only things that meet on the middle. So right now I, I would, as an investor, be cautious of what we're looking at, try and figure out what the market's going to look like. But at the same time, no, people are still moving here. Like got it. even till today, people are still moving here and more and more developments coming in, more building. So we have to be aware of that as well. So, so there another section, HB 2381, you mentioned mobile homes. Can you talk a little bit about mobile homes? Sure. So we represent a lot of the manufactured housing communities throughout the state. Um, 
there's been a lot of press covering that as well. I mean, it's a different investor entirely that mm-hmm. goes into that because you, you own the park, you rent the dirt, you're not renting a structure, yeah. which we know a lot of investors that love that actually because they don't have the maintenance obligations that uh, traditional homes do where you have to you know maintain the sticks, maintain everything else that come out of the ground. In a mobile home, you're just taking care of the dirt and the person has their own home. Okay. But a lot of cities are very anti-manufactured home communities, unfortunately. We've seen a couple closings, a lot of PRs come out of that. And mm-hmm. so there's been proposals making more regulation on how they handle that as well. I heard they, they, was, they don't want more mobile home parks in general. Is that what you're saying? Cities are making it very difficult. Yeah. Got it. I don't think right now in the entire city of Phoenix, there's a single parcel that is permitted large enough to be able to even build a manufactured housing community. Wow. Which is ironic, of course, because it's a very good, affordable housing solution. Yeah. And everybody's looking very for affordability much. because the benefit of a MH community is the person that owns that asset. You can buy a very nice home mm-hmm. for cheap. I mean, you're renting the land, but you get that home that you have the stability of. What, what about, so in regards to all these changes, what about lot rent? Like that's been skyrocketing. It's even becoming unaffordable for lot rent. Yeah, I mean, it, rents have gone up. They're not generally the same way any other rental has. I know there's speculation on what percentage rents had jumped. Uh, that's outside my gambit. But it's never as much in MH as it is in the residential. But are there, does that apply? The same? I, yeah, I mean, people are looking for rent control across the board across on everything. The, okay, got it. Got it. Okay. Anything on mobile homes, Marcus? No, I think that's it. We got quite a bit in here. So, Mark, definitely thank you for being here, always giving us the information we need for landlords to stay abreast of the laws and, mm-hmm. and, and everything like that. So, if we need to get that that rental lease from you, how can we do it? What do we need to do in order to reach yeah, out to Yeah, just you? give us a call to the office. Our phone number is 480-949-1400. We're here to help Ezria members. Obviously, we've been doing this for a long time with Ezria. I think I just looked, actually, because I sent in the newsletter for next month. I think it's now been 12 years of writing that newsletter. Wow. Consistently. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. Good point. Newsletter. Make sure all our business associates write that newsletter together. You guys give your perspective on what you're seeing within your business, you know, to help out the members. So, yeah. No, I think the newsletter is great for the members. Oh. The amount of information that goes out to people. Yeah, it's great. It's amazing. So yeah, check out the newsletter. Thank you, Mark, for being here as always and being a business associate here at Azria. Any last words or anything for us? No, I guess, well, give an attorney the floor, they'll always talk. Uh, I shouldn't (laughs) have said no. Uh, Really, like I said, next year, whichever way you fall in terms of what your rights and what what you want the world to look like or the state to look like, next year is a good place to be active and kind of get your voice out there. So through Azria, we'll figure out ways to get that done. Let's do it. Yeah. And if you're out there, you're listening, you want to step up like Mark said, or help, you know, generate some awareness, give us a call. All right, guys, you know what to do. Get out there and take action. This is Marcus Maloney, your host of the Azria show and Mike Del Pre. And our show airs every Friday at 8 a.m. All right. There you go. (laughs) Thank you so much, Mark. Of course. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for listening to The Azria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.